This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. Do you know where Sarah is? No. Right. Wayne Cousins lied and lied and lied again during the search for Sarah Everard. He said he never met her. He had no idea where she was. Then he said he kidnapped her for an Eastern European gang. He said scratches on his head were caused by a dog. Have you ever personally met her? No, not personally met her. you had any interactions with her at all? Uh, why, 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 why would I have personal interactions with her? Wayne Cousins murdered Sarah Everard. He used his own police warrant card to trick her into thinking she was being arrested for breaching Covid restrictions. She was walking home in a well-lit residential street. People saw her being kidnapped, but thought she must have done something wrong to be in handcuffs. Wayne Cousins drove Sarah away using two cars. He tried to get away with it. He will never leave jail. At the Old Bailey, Lord Justice Fulford gave him a whole life sentence, saying the misuse of a police officer role in murder is of equal seriousness as murder for advancing a political, religious or ideological cause. That's a comparison to terrorism. But the case is raising all sorts of questions for the police who Cousins worked for, the government and the criminal justice system itself. When will the streets be safe for women to walk on? I'm joined now by the barrister and campaigner, Dr Charlotte Proudman. Charlotte, Cousins has been given a whole life sentence. He'll never walk the streets again. Do you feel safer? No, um, I don't feel safe. And I don't think that many other women in London or, or indeed in other parts of the country feel safe. I think that the police have an awful lot to answer for. I was particularly horrified to learn that Wayne Cousins had used his position as a police officer, a huge position of power and responsibility over the public, and exploited that position in attempting to arrest Sarah Everard and use that power to then rape her and murder her. And my concern is, How rotten is the police force itself internally? What is actually going on inside that force? Because we know that there have been over 700 complaints of domestic abuse, assault as well, complaints made against police officers themselves. And we know from Wayne Cousins that he was suspected of having indecently exposed himself in public. And he was also known apparently as the rapist, the rapist, a police officer and yet still allowed to patrol our streets to work with vulnerable victims and then leading to the tragic murder and 
rape of an innocent woman. There's huge implications there, of course, because if a woman can't trust a police officer, who can they trust? It's a very good question. It's a question that I've asked myself. And in fact, when I was speaking with my mom about this case, and I said to her, if a police officer tried to arrest me and I'm a lawyer, I'd obviously have questions, you know, what's going on? Why are you arresting me? But I probably would think that this person is arresting me some form of public interest or there are concerns and I would trust them. That's the thing. I would put my trust in the police and I would go with them. And I think most women and maybe even some men would do that. So do I trust the police on learning that? No, I don't. And I think it's very difficult, not only for me as a woman, but also my clients, you know, many women that I represent who are rape victims, who have been beaten in their own homes or, or even hurt on the street. And they say to me, should I go to the police? You know, they ask me that question and it's a very difficult question to answer, particularly at the moment. But it shouldn't be a difficult question to answer, should it? Is that an issue for the Met Commissioner to look at? You know, I think you just need to be clear that this is not just a metropolitan issue. I think somehow it's being portrayed as quite a London-centric problem um, or endemic somehow than the Metropolitan Police Force, and it's not. We know from other constabularies and police forces up and down the country that abuse is widespread within the police force itself. And not only that, we also know that the police is failing victims of domestic abuse and other forms of violence against them. There have been multiple reports that have been produced which say that the police should take domestic abuse as seriously as counter-terrorism, as seriously as other forms of crimes. In fact, I think they should take it more seriously. You know, terrorism happens. Yes, it's a huge national threat to security and it may result tragically in the murder of many people's lives. But we're talking about 85,000 women that are raped every single year. That's almost 10 women an hour in this country. That's an enormous number of women. And then on top of that, you have a woman that's murdered on average every three days by a man. This is an epidemic. This is terrorism. This should be treated as the most important issue that the police and any law enforcement uh, agents and officials are looking at. As a barrister, you've represented lots of vulnerable women. Now, you've spoken there about how some of them have trust issues with the police, but what about the justice system itself? Do they trust that the justice system will give them justice? Yes, it's a good question because obviously I see the justice system firsthand. You know, I see what plays out in the courtroom if cases ever get to court, that is. Um, and I have the opportunity to read some of the police reports that may or may not get them there. And for example, I see police reports that will say things like non-crime domestic, non-crime domestic. So because it's domestic abuse, it's not a criminal offence because he threatened to smash a face in in front of the child. That's that's not criminal. And so they just turn them away. And then you're lucky enough if you get to the, the court. Um, but then when you do get to court, Often, unfortunately, it's embroiled in sexism and misogyny. And I cannot even begin to tell you how often women tell me that they feel that they have been blamed by the, by the criminal justice system, even the family justice system. They have been blamed as victims. You know, they've been reprimanded as they feel for what they've worn, for comments they've made, for their sexual history, for apparently asking for it. They're, they're seen as somehow culpable as a victim. We saw in the sentencing comments that were made by this judge in the 
cousin's case that first and foremost, Sarah was not blameworthy. You know, she was blameless. Now, why would you say that? First and foremost, she's blameless. Any woman that's murdered or raped is blameless. Are we suggesting that somehow by implication, some women are blameworthy for their own rape or murder? That seems to me to be my reading of it. And language is so important. But as a barrister, as a campaigner as well, when you're seeing this happen over and over again with apparently no change, is this not exhausting for you, Charlotte? Do you ever just go, I don't know why I'm trying anymore? Yeah, I do. I mean, people say that they lit a candle for Sarah. I've shed tears over this case. Poor Sarah's... I mean, there are just no words, really, I think, to describe what's happened to her and how her family must feel. And I wouldn't even want to try to, because I think anything you say almost minimises the gravity of the torture and the pain and the suffering and the sickening nature of this. Horrendously perverse. It's more than a crime, isn't it? It's just there just isn't the language for it. I mean, it does. It just makes me think to myself sometimes, why am I working within this system? Because it's It's just one case after another. It's one headline after another. And so little seems to be done about it. And I think the government need to institute an inquiry into violence against women and girls, an inquiry that also leaks internally at the police force. What is going on? And who are the people that are supposed to be policing our streets, policing women, making sure that they are safe when they are the ones that are making them unsafe? So is this moment the line in the sand. Must things change now? Do you believe they will? Well, I thought that things would change after the Me Too movement. You know, I thought that there would be a cultural shift. I thought that men in senior positions of power in particular, those with huge amounts of privilege and wealth would be held accountable. I hope that institutions like the police, the justice system, educational bodies, other other bodies that are powerful will keep up and make sure that when complaints are made, they properly deal with them. And I was, I was wrong. That hasn't happened. I'm just shocked that there's no call to action. You know, where are the people? Where, I mean, me included, why are we not taking to the streets? Why are we not standing outside of the Metropolitan Police or outside the Houses of Parliament, demanding that there is change. Why are we not doing that? Why are we not united enough in solidarity against Sarah Everard's murder? And, and she's not the only person that has been murdered. We read the headlines and a lot of the media have capitalised on that, sensationalised it for clickbait, which is disgusting. But where's the, where's the real visceral public reaction? It's almost as if the public have become desensitised. It's another murder. It's too gruesome. It's too harrowing. We can't cope. It's too much for the body and the mind to actually comprehend, I think. It's just too much. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. You'll find our editor Emily Sheffield's column asking when women will start to be believed about sexual assault there. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.